Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand from TCO Performance Center in Egan, where the Vikings are preparing for Monday night. Thank you guys for waving. I appreciate that. Preparing for Monday night against the San Francisco 49ers, who look like a powerhouse before losing to P.J. Walker in the Cleveland Browns. Surely that means they're vulnerable, right, guys? We're all going to pick them to win now. It either <laughs> the means Vikings. they're vulnerable or they're angry. Yeah, right. Just pissed him off. <laughs> PJ Walker, by the way, I think I've pointed this out multiple times, but the guy that the Bears cut so they could keep Bajent, the guy that the Vikings beat this weekend. So yeah, there's a circle there. Somewhere. There's a circle there somewhere. Should the Vikings be able to win now? I don't know. We'll see. Hard to say. <laughs> uh, the Vikings will be without Marcus Davenport for at least the first of four more weeks as he deals with a sprained left ankle, high ankle sprain, different from the other ankle that he had injured uh, earlier this year. Which that, was the ankle he was hopping off the field on. That's true. The previously injured ankle was the one that he was hopping off the field on Sunday. Yeah, so not good news for Davenport going on IR. His tenure with the Vikings is marred by injury and not being out there. He has two sacks in the two full games he's played, two other games shortened, uh, including Sunday, by by injury. So somehow they're going to have to get after Brock Purdy the way that the Browns did without him. And back to the Daniil Hunter, DJ Wanham, Patrick Jones kind of format. And, Ben, we heard from Brian Flores yesterday – um, about the the blitzes, and he he kind of had a fun back and forth with yeah. the media about how he categorizes them versus how everyone else does. But however you want to define a blitz, it's probably going to be happening on Monday night. Yeah, so I ended up asking him something about it, and then he he said, "Well, I have different metrics than a lot of people do," and I think Kevin Seifert and I both kind of got going on this. And he said it'd be fun to sit down with with the sort of generally accepted definition and our numbers we were both like yeah let's do that yeah. so i'm sure that'll Anytime. happen yeah. uh next week and we'll have all that <laughs> stuff and we'll sit down we'll compare I'm sure it'll no, all happen isn't. yeah it'll happen soon but yeah it was it was a fun exchange i mean he basically said well if uh i don't know what the definition is and i said well colloquially five or more and yeah said, isn't it i mean isn't it pretty standard that if you send more than four it's a blitz well and, and he said well if that's the definition then yeah we blitz a lot then yes it is it. then yes you do blitz but a lot his point was that there are times that we blitz a run and okay. it's not a run that they're sending pressure okay. as a run blitz okay. and he said it's also hard to know if there are times where we blitz or, or we're not supposed to and somebody goes the wrong way i'm thinking does that happen enough that that should change the percentages? That <laughs> so much? It one like of the categories problem. of your blitzes yeah. is guys went the wrong way, eight like percent. Uh, that sounded like a dev- devil's advocate kind of thing. It's it just was. Saying, well, what I about think. the one percent time right, of that? Right. Happens. I think that's true. But yeah. hopefully, it was a fun exchange. I mean, because he said there's basically he looks at. I mean, even to the point of looking at fire zone kind of stuff where you're sending five as different than bring the house right. six, six or seven. seven yeah, cover zero behind eleven. It. Send all eleven. Yeah, just in, engage eight. Just engage. Just go for it. Why yes. not? Yes, uh, ball knowers <laughs> on Twitter. I know that engage eight is not a real thing. I got somebody what? chirping Uh-oh. at me a couple weeks ago. I, I joked about that and said, well, it wasn't actually engage eight. It was a different blitz that he calls. <laughs> okay. like, a, yeah, buddy, I know. It's a mad what would happen if you joke. What would happen if you sent all 11? Like, I would Brian Flores would do it apparently. Like would the quarterback not matter when you send the punt block? I'm would like, the down. would the quarter would the <laughs> quarterback like be able? Work. Would you be able to get the ball out? Like if you if you sent 
11 pass rushers. Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike, I think, I think you yeah. would. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I, I, because because they've, they're able to get the ball out when there is a free runner and you have yeah. a covered man downfield. I, I think if there wouldn't be a covered man downfield, you especially would be able to get it out. Yeah, I mean, you um, have five hot receivers. Basically. Yeah, it'd be really easy just to go bloop and just kind of lob just it throw as high as you can and let one of your five eligibles catch for it. For the listeners, yeah, probably. me lobbing it like a probably. volleyball. Yeah, I have um, tried it just out of fun. I'm like, I'm going to send a punt block. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't work. Right? Okay. At least I'm mad at okay, I didn't imagine it would work. Great. I was just again, hypothetical. Would that would that count as a blitz? I, I think it would. would. That, that would count as a blitz. But probably. to your point, I think Brian Flores might might if anybody were to try it in the NFL, it would be him because the Vikings are blitzing at a league high rate for how most places define it yep. um and i'm sure flores counts it differently of like well sometimes we rush four and it's uh you know fire zone and we drop one guy or into a zone where you sense harrison smith you drop a safety and maybe drop he's, a defensive end maybe he's counting a blitz when it's not a five-man rush so maybe it's an even higher rate to him i don't know like however he wants to call it but the point is he likes to send pressure and they're going to live on that edge of he even said this of, hey, if the pressure gets there, we're not leaving our corners out there to dry. But if it doesn't get there, we kind of are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a little bit of a – I mean, I was having this conversation with a couple of people in the locker room yesterday just kind of talking on the side. And there's definitely more of a, hey, we're, we're – I don't want to say flying by the seat of your pants. But there's there's more of a let's live on the edge and not sit here and worry about – what if they do this and what yeah. if they do every little thing and let's overthink everything to the point of we have to have an answer for every single route in the way we pattern match. I mean, that stuff, I mean, you saw a lot of that with Mike Zimmer where it was, if this happens, we have to have an answer for it and everything in our coverages. This is not that. No. So, uh, you know, talking to a couple of players, it's like, yeah, it's very different, but it seems like they're kind of invigorated by it in some way. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion, the hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Well, and it seems like a system that would be more flexible for personnel. Like you have to have a certain type of yeah. player, maybe a more veteran player, to successfully like run a kind of pattern matching or like a, you know a cerebral. You got to do this if this happens. Yep. yep. If you just kind of like go get the quarterback, cover your guy. You seems like that tailors yourself to a more kind of replaceable players and to young corners, yes. which is what they have and. One of the things I had this conversation with Cam Bynum before the season, he said that the big difference from his perspective is it's much more traditional zone on the back end. Like when you're dropping into a zone, you're dropping into a spot. It's not, well, if this guy goes vertical, it turns into man. Otherwise, it's a zone. I mean, that's that's a lot of the stuff that they did under Mike Zimmer, certainly. And, you know, probably a little bit of that with Ed Donatel, more of the pattern matching kind of stuff. Um, this is a little bit less of that, which he said is the first system he's been in that does that, where it's more of the true kind of old school zone. And probably a lot of this goes back to Belichick, and there's going to be some old school elements to that. Brian Flores has been has made no equivocations about that's still my education in football is Bill Belichick. I mean, I had that conversation with him before the season. So one of the things I think that does is if you're a young corner or a young safety you can play a little faster. It's a little less of, okay, who's my number three? They did a switch release. Is it, am I covering this guy? Am I covering this guy? It 
the theory is that you can play faster, and then if the rush gets there, that the ball's not going to go over the top anyway, which we haven't seen anywhere near say, as like, much of it as seems we've like, seen last year. It seems like this kind of defense would limit chunk plays. Or yep, the, that's certainly the, big, the theory plays, of it. Which yep. it's, it kind of has this year. Yeah, they're, they're, I think, more middle of the league in that capacity after, I think, being the second worst in the league last year in terms of plays of 20 or more yards allowed. Yeah, uh, and one stat, they were awful last year on that. Yeah. The last um, couple of years. One stat that kind of to your point about the blitzes forcing that is that I think they're like top five in terms of the shallowest air yards against them. Like the ball yeah. is coming out quickly. It's getting thrown short of the sticks because whether it's Herbert needing to just fire those five yard outs to Keenan Allen all the time, they're there to be had because Flores likes to play seven at the line, play offs, off coverage behind that and keep everything in front of them. So, so the ball rally to the ball and tackle. Yeah. So you're giving up those six, seven yarders at the cost of, you know, giving up fewer theoretically the 20 whatever yep. plus yarders downfield causing teams to kind of drive and march downfield and eventually maybe make a mistake on their own uh that sometimes they just haven't been making <laughs> that the vikings make on offense uh in their own fashion but the funny thing with that really quickly is that philosophically that's the same idea that they had last year in terms of the ed donatel stuff or with vic fangio but we are going to make you go downfield we're going to make you beat us five or six yards at a time because at some point your quarterback's going to get impatient or he's going to make a mistake and then you're going to have a problem rather than giving up the chunks. It's just this is a, uh, dare I say, counterintuitive way to do it, where it's we are going to bring so much pressure that the reason you're going to get rid of the ball is because you just don't trust your quarterback to be able to hold it that long. You don't want to have your quarterback have to do that that long. It's the same idea in terms of the ball's not going over the top because you don't have time. I mean – the, the goal is the same, to have the ball knock over the top. The difference, I guess, is that this is saying it's not going to be because we have safeties downfield that won't give you the throwing lanes. It's that you won't have time to even let your receivers get that far downfield before we're in your faces. So you're going to have to settle for the short stuff. It seems like Brock Purdy would be an interesting test case in how this yes. works because he's a young quarterback, which they've had some success with defending this year, especially you guys like – um, you know, Bryce Young, obviously, they were doing well against Fields, and then obviously Tyson Bajan, I think uh, they did fine against him. That said, he's a young quarterback who gets the ball out pretty quickly. Is he is he efficient in that way? So how does this work against Purdy? Some of the great underneath weapons in the league, yes. too, if they're healthy. If they're healthy. Yeah, the good news for the Vikings, bad news for the Niners, is that, yeah, McCaffrey, Debo, Trent Williams, all dealing with injuries. And Trent Williams, at least by PFF, is graded by far their best offensive lineman. Uh, the rest of those guys might be made a little bit by the scheme and how they can use them to create running lanes and, and help protect the quarterback. But I found it interesting that this Niners offense was obviously a machine through the first you know five weeks before that Browns game, and the Vikings are not going to be able to replicate the Browns' physicality up front with no. Garrett, Tomlinson, especially with Davenport out. Yeah, with Zadarius and, and with no Davenport. But when you look at Purdy in that Browns game, they were able to generate free runners at him with blitzes. And Jim Schwartz is a very aggressive defensive coordinator yes. who blitzes uh, not as much as Flores, but quite a bit. And and I do think that it was interesting to see Purdy struggle against some of those free runners where Kyle Shanahan was asked after the game about it and had to say that, yeah, some of our play designs didn't give him good answers against some of those rushers. So maybe Flores can do some of that same stuff, even if the personnel is not going to match up as well for the Vikings that the Browns did. Um, PFF has Purdy as a hundred passer rating against the blitz and 120 when not blitzed. Um, so they're efficient either way, yeah. but it's 
slightly less efficient when they, they send some pressure out. I would also be curious to see what his passer rating is without Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey yeah. against yeah. the Blitz. We don't have enough they did sample a, size for they that. Did fine without Samuel. They did fine without Samuel last year, I think, because he was hurt for a while, but... I don't. Yeah, I don't. They're not going to. If McCaffrey's out, that's a whole different level of question and how that's going to work for them. Yeah, because I mean, so much with both of those guys, they're great antidotes for blitzes because it's I can dump the ball off to this guy quickly, and they're both shifty enough, fast enough, and well built enough, especially probably Samuel, mm-hmm. to take some contact. So that they're both elite run after the catch. There's a PJ reference, not PJ Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both really, really good at that. Yes. So they, they're quarterback's best friend in that setting. If you don't have those guys, probably changes a little bit. And they still got Brandon Ayuk and yeah, they've and got George Kittle. Still. And they've got a lot of weapons, but um, those two guys certainly make it. I, I would think easier against pressure than it would normally be for a quarterback in that setting. Probably just comes down to can Kirk Cousins play out, outplay PJ Walker then. Can you do that? Can yeah, you can, do that? He, can you put up more than 19 points? I think that it was 19-17 or something like it that. It was, yeah. For the, the Niners' first that loss. Uh, no unbeaten team, but it doesn't sound like any of us are too optimistic about the Vikings' chances going into this game. Not terribly, no. Um, and I, I would say that almost as much for the defensive matchup, the Niners' defense against the Vikings' offense. I, sure. I think that would have been a tough – go even if this offense was at full strength it's not because of Justin Jefferson so I think it's going to be hard for them to handle that Niners front I think it's going to be hard for them to keep themselves out of third downs where they're having to have long developing plays they have not been able to run the ball terribly effectively against well a lot of fronts but I I don't think this one is going to be any easier so the the physicality on both sides of the ball, I think, is what makes this a particularly bad matchup. It's, it's as, almost as much about that as skill position stuff. It's the fact that the Niners have the ability to beat you up on both sides. Jordan Hicks was talking about this in the locker room yesterday from his times playing against them in Arizona twice a year. He said, you have to go into those games with your mind right because you know it's going to be a fight. You just know that they're going to hit you to the whistle. He even mentioned sometimes a little bit after the whistle. I mean, the Vikings saw this in, in joint practices against them last year. They play physically, and they want to leave an impression. So there is that part of this that I, I think if they're going to win this game, it's going to require a style and, and probably a mentality that we don't see from them a lot. So that's a lot of the reason I think it's a bad matchup. Yeah, I agree. I think the only reason I think even think they have a – marginal chances because of the injury uncertainty with yeah. the 49ers that yeah. was before that I was like this is put this in the loss column and even with that uncertainty I think they're like touchdown underdogs it's at like home six and a half, six and yeah. a half seven I mean this could be their they could start zero and four at home like their heart a lot of their hardest games have been home games but they also gave gave away the games against Tampa Bay and San you know Chargers which are it's not I keep calling them San Diego they're always San Diego it should be in San Diego it you know like those are like comparable teams, I would think, to the Vikings on a neutral field. So those are those are ones that you they would like to have back. But like, imagine starting zero and four at home. They currently have the second longest home losing streak in the NFL behind the Chicago Bears, who are at ten. Uh, that 
the the streak is at four, dating back to the playoff game last year. If they lose on Sunday, I, I think it, they've only started zero and three a couple of times. Um, but if they lose on Sunday, the five game losing streak would be tied for the second longest home losing streak in franchise history. Uh, the last time they did this was 2019. Those the loss to the Packers, uh, right before Christmas that year on the Monday night where the Packers clinched the division, the Vikings rested starters, and then the start of 2020 when there were no fans in the stands is the last time they did this. They also did it in 2011, uh, ended Harrison Smith's rookie, first game of Harrison Smith's rookie year, ended that streak, and then there was one, I think, back in the first couple of years of Bud Yeah, So it's unusual. I mean, they've generally been a good home team. Yep. Yep. Well, I think it's it's with good reason because that whether it's the Metrodome or U.S. Bank, they've had for years a pretty good home field advantage yeah. in terms of the noise, the you know even the accusations of pumping in the noise. So funny story <laughs> on that. I was on the radio in Kansas City uh, before that game uh, on their pregame show, and I think it was Kendall Hinton, the the former Chiefs offensive lineman, talking about that. And I said uh, we were talking about home field advantage and noise, and I I think I said something about the allegations of that, and he said. There were no allegations. They 100 percent pumped in noise. He, he was unequivocal about like uh, they they did this, and and I experienced it. There's no doubt about there it. There is no I think they did. Yes, yes. He he basically said there's no doubt they were certainly pumping in noise in the metronome. Uh, well, and and the Vikings have enjoyed just even when they're not great, even when it's been the the bad points of some of these games. They've all been close games, and the crowd has been into it for the most part. Um, and it just hasn't led to to wins um, because they lead the NFL in drop passes was something I learned this week. PFF has them with 17 drops in six games. That's Madison with five, Hawkinson with four, Osborne with four. Kendall Gammon, um, sorry. It was not Kendall Hinton. Madison Kendall with five. That's an underrated part of his struggle yeah. this year. <clears throat> yeah, and he obviously had a hard time holding on to the football in the run game early in the season too. Um, they, they can't catch passes. Uh, I asked Wes Phillips about that yesterday, and he said it's not a concern. We trust these guys, but it is their more reliable players. It is their guys that they are paying and expecting to do or get a lot from. And K.J. Osborne, for that matter, even though he's not getting paid a lot, um, was a guy that throughout his start of his career was reliable on third and fourth down, had sure hands, and he's dropping some of these key passes and not being on the same page. Uh, this offense can't afford those kinds of hiccups against a pretty well-oiled machine that we just talked about. Should have kept Thielen, at least according to Vikings <laughs> Twitter, the last couple of weeks. Do, well, like, does Wes uh, Phillips categorize drops the same way that we that's a good point. Uh, PFF didn't even count Addison's drop, uh, deep drop. So they still have him yeah. with zero, even though Jordan himself said that was a drop. I should have caught it, which, you know, he's going to say, but I, I kind of agree with him. <laughs> I wonder what does classify as a drop. Do you look at like next gen stats and if it was over 50% catch rate, you should catch it? I don't know. It's subjective. It's got to be, right? I mean, I think it's generally like if it's in your hands and then it's not in your hands and somebody didn't knock it out it's like subjective it's like drop. hit is like hit versus error in baseball it's just kind of like an eye test well, kind sometimes of thing. it's well, like i yeah, don't know what a catch is anymore either it's no. probably the yeah. 10 drunks in a bar test in some ways yeah, and and we yeah what was catchable what was catchable oh, that was a catch <laughs> what wasn't got both hands on it um oh, has got a catch <laughs> see what Royce says. <laughs> that should have been a catch um but they can't afford these kinds of errors at some point is this who they are mike or or is this I mean, uh, easily correctable oh christian ponder oh boy. reference ponder <laughs> reference there's one to ponder that was it's, christian ponder was the quarterback for one of those five game losing streaks at home 
doesn't surprise me. If it's who they are until they're not, right? Like until you fix this, you are you know you are that. You're a team that keeps turning the ball over. It's not been as bad lately, but they've still been important turnovers in these games. You're still dropping critical passes. Like if they didn't have the turnovers and the drop passes this year, which is definitely part of their identity, they're probably four and two or at least three and three right now. Right? I mean Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean I think I saw something this week saying that the largest, and there's been all this talk about luck this week, and uh, the largest win probability swing of any play in the NFL this season is TJ Hawkinson in the end zone against the Chargers because you go from this should be a game-winning touchdown to nope, interception, game over. Absolutely, it is. Um, Whether that's luck or whether that's – I mean, I suppose it's luck in the sense that you knock it back up in the air and it gets intercepted rather than it gets knocked down and then it's incomplete and you have another shot. Yeah. Um, but if you catch the ball, yeah, you probably win. You're not leaving yeah. things to chance. No, and they're like 16th in DVOA this year. They're like they're like a league average. They're team like last year's to, team. Basically. Last year's team was 28th in DVOA. But they well, were the worse. overall thing. Yeah, they were yeah. worse theoretically throughout this point of the season. Right, this point of the season they were probably better. But as the season went on, oh, they got okay. a lot. Well, worse. the defense got a lot worse through That's that. True. That's true. Later part of the season. Um, I did see that. We're like, this year they're graded, at least through this six-week portion, as a better team yeah. than last year. Best offensive line in the NFL. Well, now I don't Hang a banner. I don't understand any of that. Yeah, hang a DVOA banner. <laughs> <laughs> Number 16. Charger social media Number team. Number 16 in DVOA 2023. That would be quite a banner. Oh, who is it? Wasn't it the chart? I've seen some banners like that when I uh, drive down the road from the high school I coach. If you drive a little east. It was the chart. some banners that look like that. It was the Chargers social media team that that dragged the Vikings this offseason when the schedule release came out and they were making fun of each team on the Chargers schedule and when they made fun of the Vikings they showed the banners up at US Bank Stadium when the Chargers would come visit and one was just NFLPA's number one team (laughs) yes yes there was like made me think of had a fun game against the Bills (laughs) and Justin Jefferson rookie of the year runner-up which was to Herbert yeah I mean they um, their ability to troll with those things is always yeah uh, Vikings fans if you can't well done if you're not going to cry you might as well laugh at it um all right. Well, have what, some fun with it. Well, yeah, what else should we get to from this game? The Vikings, at least with the Caleb Evans, seem to have escaped a major injury. He said he'll play uh, Monday after p- taking part in their walkthrough yesterday, but then we'll get the first injury report on Thursday. Um, Ezra Cleveland's dealing with a foot injury, so we might see Dalton Reisner. Um, Cleveland said x-rays were negative after the game. O'Connell called it a midfoot sprain that he's dealing with. So, as Ben, you like to talk about a foot on a big guy. Is, is something you got to worry about. It is. Um, it's like a, an axle on a semi-truck. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it bears a lot of weight. I mean, it, there's there's that part of, I think, any sport that, um, yeah, if, if I mean, your feet bear a lot of force and bear a lot of weight in, in anything you're doing, and, and yeah, it certainly is a, a more concerning injury with an offensive lineman, yes. I typically say that yes we finally saw dalton reisner get into the game though play at just 10 snaps those 10 snaps upon further review were eh, pretty good but the bears also aren't great so i'm interested to see if they put cleveland on the shelf for a week use the injury as a way to get reisner into a full game yeah i think that would be i mean i don't think you're dropping off at all you might even be gaining at a certain level because this is a guy you brought in who's done it for four years started a lot you know kind of like cleveland has but you know the guy who did it other places and presumably you like so it seems like a pretty easy swap if there's any question that he's not ready to go uh we also did see in terms of changes of personnel we saw andrew booth jr actually get into the yeah, game how about did. that how about that this good job, Quay- swap for mackay blackman 
It's not been a great stretch for Quasi, has it? I mean... We're talking Hawkinson. We're talking Davenport. We're talking yeah. Lewis Seen was a healthy scratch. Even though he was coming off an injury, he was not questionable going into the game, and they still kept had he him needs, inactive. He needs Jordan Addison to keep catching um, touchdown passes <laughs> and to keep progressing because that's like the one like bona fide check mark you can put in his column right now. Um, people do forget that, you know, development can be up and down sometimes, yep. but I thought, thought it was interesting that Brian Flores told us the other day that um, Booth was practicing well and, and earned those reps of getting into the game over Makai Blackman, who's a rookie. Um, I know it was just against the bears. I know the bears are not great, but that is something that uh, Quasi definitely, definitely needed for that draft class because it does not look good. Yeah, I mean, you you need to have something to to show with that draft class because between it, Brian Asamoah and Lewis Seen certainly. Um, although Kevin O'Connell said he'll be back in there, but uh, yeah, that draft class, other than Caleb Evans, right now has been not terribly um, productive at this point. It is not. Uh, what else should we get to for this game? What else uh, is tickling your fancy for the Niners on Monday night? Primetime Kirk? Prime is, that, Kirk. is Primetime Kirk as a narrative gone? Is that done? No. I mean, just because people keep dredging it up. Because <laughs> we like us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, not us so much. As, I mean, it'll probably be on Get Up Monday morning, yeah. I would bet. Um, they've enjoyed dredging that narrative up. I, Monday nights, I mean, his mm. – his record is not very good, but Thursday nights and Sunday nights, his numbers have been pretty good. So yeah. it, this may be one of the final gasps for primetime Kirk narratives, at least in our corner of the world, um, especially if that Bears game in November gets flexed out of Monday night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like take your pick between that and the Broncos game the week before. Yeah. I mean, either of those I would think would be candidates still have for that. A- Sunday night Packers game, New right? Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. We are ringing in 2024 in the press box trying to uh, probably do this podcast, I would think, right <laughs> around midnight yeah. uh, after the New Year's Eve game. Access Vikings could be the first podcast of 2024 of any kind. Well, it's like <laughs> think the about baby. That. Think it's about like, that. Do we get, any, do we get really like not. a thing in the paper? we get like an announcement <laughs> about having the first podcast, podcast announcement? I think you should. We should totally do that. People still do this. The baby announcements. I have no idea. The first one of the year. What is Kirk's recent record on Monday night? Well, um, what was last year's Monday night game? I'm trying to remember. Eagles, not good. Nope, I wouldn't want. Um, I don't think they had another one last year. I typically loathe these weeks because it just screws everything up. It makes it so that our week is longer on one end and shorter on the back. Well, they, well, and I'm mostly a, tap dancing here so I can find well, it. Well, they have you're a different week next week, different week next week too, or will it be the same? Will it just uh, be shorter? It'll just shorter. I mean, everything's condensed. It'll it's be just, back to the regular Wednesday yeah, next week. It's, it's basically, it's all about us. We it needs to be easier. Uh, <laughs> Monday night, December 20th, mm-hmm. uh, 2021, the winning quarterback oh, at Soldier Field with a grand total of they kept that on a month. 87 oh. yards on 12 of 24 passing and a 69.3 passer rating, Kirk Cousins was a winner in that game. Was guys, was guys, like 17 to nine was that that final score. Guys, that is when the NFL decided we need flex scheduling for Monday night. That yeah, that, that was that, that was because this is the first year they're doing it. They instituted it. Was it was that last year? Yeah, 2021. So, yeah. so last game, year, yeah. Vikings Bears, they're like, we can't, we can't do this again, and so they're no, not because not putting it in there. No, because, no, 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 because the first week they're allowing flexing this year is Viking Bears week. They said if yeah. we're going to put this again, it's going to be in the bucket <laughs> that we can move it. 
and we can just throw it out into the trash of Sunday at noon and just put it right there. Monday, November 16th, 2020, in a very surreal, empty Soldier Field, uh, Vikings win 19-13. So Kirk Cousins, Man, he's dominating. for the record, is 2-1 and one in his last three Monday night games. Even if they were to lose Monday night and the NFL keeps the Bears game in there and they win that, he could exit Minnesota with a 600 winning percentage in his last five Monday night starts. <laughs> Take that, Stick Kirk. that in your narrative. Take that, Kirk haters. <laughs>